0: Welcome to Matan's Parsha podcast, Sefer Dvarim. Each week, a different Matan teacher will share words of Torah to illuminate the Parsha and your week. It's great to be back here sharing Torah with all of you. Uh, I have the honor of closing out this series on Parshat Dvarim, and we'll be speaking today about Parshat Tvezot Bracha. but really... We have to move a little bit farther back in time. And we're going to be looking at uh, the series of parshiot that ends Sefer Dvarim because I think that we spend a lot of time involved in the death of Moshe, a lot of time preparing for what is also the end of the Torah period, but is also the life of Moshe. And I think that in the tremendous detail that is given, some of which has been discussed in the previous Podcast discussed in the previous uh, parshiot. I think that the Torah is offering us a guideline about how to die better. Uh, I think that it's not just about saying goodbye to Moshe, but that if we look at the Torah as a hora'ah, as a book of instruction, that the long, almost long-winded process that we engage in as we part from Moshe is there to teach us how to how to engage with death, how to do that process better. want to take us back in time, I want to go back to Perak and Aleph, which is in Parashat vailech and to remember that the beginning of Moshe, beginning to part with Am Yisrael, begins with God's command for him to bring Yehoshua. While Yehoshua has already been appointed in the previous Parag and Sefer Devarim, here we have sort of the official official handing over of the baton. Here we have Moshe really parting with his job in front of Yehoshua, not just the appointment of Yehoshua, but actually handing Yehoshua the reins. And that we see in Pasuk Yudalid in Paraglam Aleph. Vayomer el Moshe, hen el mo'ed, Moshe al mo'ed. Okay, and here we have Hashem commanding Moshe to bring Yehoshua, and they go in front of the Oral Moed, and they have this process, and really this process is more about God giving Moshe a speech along with Yehoshua about the difficult days that are ahead. But I want to really, without going deeper into the psukim, to zoom out for a moment at this concept. One of the biggest gifts that a leader can give to his or her followers Um, to his or her community, is the clear, very clear appointment of a successor. We know so many Hasidic sects and groups and different political parties. And there's so much history surrounding the lack of appointment of a successor. And whenever I read the number of passages in which Yoshua is appointed, it always makes my heart so happy because it's one of the most basic lessons of leadership. When you're a leader, learn how to delegate. And when you're done leading, when your time has come to a close, make sure that you find someone who can take your place and who can bring the institution or bring this group of people into their next era. And so the first tip I think that the Torah essentially gives us is appoint your successor. Make sure you know who is going to take over the reins for you. Make sure you have had some hand in bringing the people forward even though you yourself will not be doing that and that it's correct that you not continue. Uh, I think that it is one of the biggest gifts and whenever I do see people doing this publicly it always makes me so happy because I think that's one of the most basic instructions that the Torah gives us in Sefer Reim. The next aspect of Moshe's separation from the people, his goodbye, is the poem, is the shira in in Ha'azinu. The shira is really preceded by a long speech, which is the continuation of the speech given in front of Yahushua, and we have there this general question, is the Torah that it's referring to, is it Ha'azinu itself? That is certainly the shirah. The Torah seems to be referring to at least Sefer Zvarim being written down, if not all the Torah. And we'll leave that question on the side for now. But the next tip I think that the Torah offers us is to give a clear set of guidelines. We have both the Torah that is written, both the legal instruction, what seems to be the legal instruction that is written there. Again, all this is in the continuation of Paraglam and Aleph. And then we also have this song. Now this song, this very deep, uh, lofty, at sometimes very difficult to understand poem, uh, is said at the end of Perak Lamed Aleph that all of Am Yisrael hears it. But actually, in Perek Kavchet, it says, et kol ziknei b'oznehem et that the actual uh, audience, the intended audience of this song, are these kenim. They are those who are the wise, the elders, the ones who are in charge. Uh, Ultimately, we assume that the song itself will also be heard by all of Am Yisrael. But after the clear appointment of the successor... We also have, in the case of clearly Moshe, who is in charge of giving over Torah, is that he does that process again. Not only does he say the halachot, but that he writes them down. Writing things down makes them clear. This is an incredibly important facet, of course, of our history as Jewish people as well, that oral learning has its merits. But over time, we learned over, over a long period of time and over also losses of Torah, that writing things down, especially once you have a society that puts emphasis on writing and the people themselves are literate, that writing things down is one of the best ways to ensure that a legacy will persist. The next step after the official uh, handing over the baton to Yoshua is this moment of writing down, of writing down both the legal code and also writing down a poem. And that duality of transmission of both the prose, as I would call it, and the poetry that we see all over Torah, uh, that we see in Az Yashir where we have the description of Yam Suf and we also have the poetic description of it. We have it by Devorah as well. Poetry, what seems to have been a regular parlance, it was a way that people spoke. Uh, For us, it's esoteric and difficult to understand. It seems to have been far less difficult for them to understand when the Torah was given. And so we have both. We have the prose, we have the written Torah, which is likely Sefer Jvarim, and we also have the poem, and the poem is there to move and to inspire and to add a completely different dimension to the prism of transmission that Moshe is trying to give over to the people. What is also beautiful is that after Moshe gives over this song, it says in um, Paraglame Debet, 32, 44, The pasu goes out of its way to emphasize that this poem, which comes right after that long address to Moshe and Yoshua, it's said by both of them. Moshe has clearly taken the lead, but it is both Moshe and Yoshua ben Nun who are the ones who give over. And so here we have again this, this piece where not only is it important to assign your successor, but to also have a brief moment in time where the people see you acting together, where they see a, a picture, they see a vision an image of the old and the new together so that they also are able to transfer that trust and that respect for the older leader and to also have it for the younger leader. That moment where where you see the old and the new collide is incredibly powerful and is an important way that the leader, the outgoing leader, transmits to the people uh, how much they approve and are happy about the change that is to come. Of course, there can be sadness, there can be nostalgia, but that there is that moment of approval where they speak and teach together for that brief moment of time, of that overlap, I think is also a very powerful and a moving image. After Shirata Azinu, and those psukim where Moshe and Yoshua were told that they present together, we have a description of Moshe's death, and that is the end of Parshat HaAzinu. Psukim memchet through nun bet. Okay, for for psukim, we have all the details of how Moshe is about to die, but he doesn't actually die now, and so it's not actually his death, but it's it's a dress rehearsal for his death. Okay, it's it's a death rehearsal, if you will. Uh, we have there the outline of how it will happen, but Moshe is not actually ready for for that to happen just yet. And then we enter into Vezot HaBarcha, and that is our Persha for this week. At this point, Moshe is getting personal. He is not meeting with Yehoshua. He is not fulfilling God's commandments to him. But he now speaks from his heart, or so it seems, because God doesn't command him to say anything that we have in Parshat of Bracha. And at this time, we have the brachot that Moshe gives to all of his children, or almost all of his children, Um that he seems to feel compelled to say before he dies. Of course, we have to remember that this section is parallel to the brachot that Yaakov gives his children in the end of Sefer Rishit. Perhaps Moshe takes this command from Yaakov. And I look at this section as as almost an ethical will. Uh, An ethical will, or sometimes called a legacy letter, is a way to share your values, your blessings, life lessons, hopes and dreams for the future, Love and forgiveness with your family, friends, and community. It's not a legal document. It doesn't distribute your material wealth. It's a heartfelt expression of what truly matters most in your life. And I don't know if we can exactly parallel that description with the brachot that Moshe offers his children. But I do think that the very enigmatic psukim that opened up Paraklam and Gimel, chapter 33, in the beginning of Azotah Bracha. I'm not even going to try and translate them. These psukim are very, very difficult to translate. But there are a number of opening psukim, one that we're more familiar with. Um, These are words that are spoken as if God is saying them. Of course, though, Moshe is speaking them they seem to open up some sort of ethical will that Moshe is sharing with the people. And then he moves over to the brachot. Okay, All of those are his hopes and dreams for his children. Now, there is a tremendous debate uh, that we're never really going to have one answer to as to the nature of these brachot that are given. The same debate surrounds the brachot that Yaakov gives to his children, uh, are they meant to be a guide for the future? Perhaps. Are they meant to be prophetic statements that predict the future? Or are they perhaps a collection of tribal sayings that were commonly held uh, about these different tribes? I'm not going to take a stance on any of these, uh, on this question or any of these approaches. I think that they're worth thinking about when you hear the Parsha in, uh, in, in Shul in the coming week. Or as you read it through on your own. The, Blessings are varied. They all are presented, with the exception of Levi, they're spoken to the tribes in the singular, uh, and they seem as if they're addressing an individual, but the content of the blessings clearly are speaking to the tribe as a whole. Many of them are outwardly addressing the geographic reality of the tribes once they were in Eretz Israel. and some of them are offering prayers, specifically the bracha that is given to Reuven. Uh, Shimon is left out, which is another interesting question. But this collection of blessings, again, if I can sort of zoom out for a moment, is also, I think, another tip that we are being given. Not everyone is given the blessing of having time to prepare for death. It's a blessing in and of itself. Some of our loved ones are taken from us instantaneously. Some are taken from us in a slow, horrific way in which they lose their cognitive functioning for a significant time before they are no longer physically with us. But for those who have time to prepare for their separation from this world and from their family and friends, I look at these blessings as a tremendous lesson because when Someone who is about to pass is able to give on, or to be able to give over messages to those that they love. It's incredibly meaningful. Sometimes, however, there is an internal obstacle that stands between someone who knows that they are going to be leaving this Earth in the coming period and being able to give over this kind of personal, meaningful message to those that they love, to their children and perhaps to others as well. And to make this point clear, I want to bring you a quote from a really wonderful book written by uh, Dr. Erica Brown. It's called Happier Endings. The book itself is a really wonderful musing on death, uh, where she sort of went around and spoke to many people and did a certain, a nice amount of research on the ways that different people um, deal with death and approach it. The quote I'm reading you is from. The early pages, it's a combination of, of paragraphs from pages six to eight. She says the following. Once someone is able to utter these words, I need to be prepared. A flood of change takes place that enables us to face death without fear. This is the stage I call inspiration, a stage that never appears in Kluber Ross's framework, but appeared in virtually every conversation I had with a person or family who managed to do death better. The intentional decision to become better prepared for death gives the dying permission to love more fully, to say the words they've wanted to say for a lifetime, to repair and heal troubled relationships, and to entertain a range of ethereal and spiritual thoughts and actions previously closed off, sealed, or masked by the pragmata of everyday activities. It gives the family the chance to reach out to the dying with an emotional range previously unknown or unexperienced. By not acknowledging that the stage of inspiration exists, many never believe that it is possible. They retain the stubborn belief that acceptance alone is the last station. And in doing so, they deny themselves the beautiful closure that only the enlightened ever achieve, but that is possible for almost everyone." Erica Brown's words, they ring very uh, deep for me inside. Um, the personal details are are not particularly relevant at this moment. But I I look at this passage, at Moshe's blessings to his sons, as this kind of moment where he knows he's going to die. He even knows how it's going to look, because God has done a death rehearsal with him, a few came before, but Moshe says, no, I'm not ready to do that yet because I, I have come to terms with the fact that I will be passing, whether or not it happened as a punishment or for some other reason. And Moshe comes and addresses almost uh, all of his children. And this is also a gift. When a parent or a loved one is able to do that, perhaps in writing, perhaps in speech, however it is that they're able to express themselves, they're able to share a thought, a a parting message with those that they love. And so I think that this is a grand tip that the Torah also gives us as well. Moshe doesn't just go up and die alone. Moshe first gathers all of those that are important to him, and Yaakov's precedent is paramount here. Uh, It's paramount, we don't have that with everyone in the Torah, Um, but I think that Moshe taking that cue is in the end here, or in the grand finale of the Torah, gives us another poignant, phenomenal, and crucial tip for how to part from this world. Uh, If I haven't made it clear enough, I think that this kind of parting ultimately is a gift, an even bigger gift, for those who receive that blessing. It's important for he or she that is leaving this world, but it is even more important for those who will be living and continuing in this world for many years to come. With all that in mind, with the blessings, with, with the appointment of Yoshua, with the joint presentation of Ha'azinu, with the writing down of Torah, the solidification of God's will in this world that Moshe is charged with transmitting, and with this ethical will or these parting words that Moshe offers to all of his children, now we arrive at the death scene from a totally different place. When we internalize all of those parts that came before this Moshe's death scene, it's almost like a symphony. We've been waiting for it. We knew it was coming. He's ready, the people are ready, and what I want to emphasize today is that we as the readers, we are ready for Moshe to die. from the shock we experience from the seemingly over exaggerated punishment that god gives moshe after the scene with the rock and am Yisrael, at this point we've had time to digest all death seems unfair all of it seems too early but as time has passed and as moshe has spent such a long time parting with the people he spent exerted a tremendous amount of effort. He's made it clear that he is ready by handing over the baton and making sure to see his loved ones and to address them as well. When we approach the death scene, we are all ready for Moshe to leave this earth. A few words about this scene were in here, the last parak in the Torah, Parak Lamedala, chapter 34. Um, which includes the the death rehearsal scene we saw earlier, with an additional uh, with additional detail. This section really uh, emphasizes the tension between uh, Moshe's humanness and his very unique status as a nearly divine human. The psukim utterly emphasizes humanness by reminding us that he is a body that he will be buried that he dies. Uh, there is a very clear intention not to have Moshe turn into anything other than human by making sure that no one is present when he dies. Nobody knows exactly where he's buried. Um Moshe is at once emphasized as being human, yet the way that he dies, being so alone and dying at God's command, and with the words in Pasuk Zayin, "Velo nas uh, which, depending on how you interpret it, Ibn Ezra says that he he didn't even have any wrinkles, there is clearly something utterly unique and otherworldly about Moshe. The Midrash um, fills in, or many Midrashim, about all of the arguments that Moshe has with God about why he shouldn't die, and trying to push off this time. But what is so interesting and to me utterly moving about these psukim is that there is no sign of fight on the part of Moshe here. He is completely and utterly ready to leave this world. And while it's a tragedy in many ways that he doesn't get to go into Israel, I think that when we look at this passage and the the parting with Moshe in the broader sense and the zoom out that I'm trying to convey uh, today here is that it kind of reminds us that we all have to acknowledge that there will be journeys that we don't get to finish. Moshe didn't get to finish his greatest journey and he certainly wasn't a failure. His legacy and his mark in this world is an imprint that no one that everybody knows of. It's he, he's one of the most famous figures in all of history and even he had a journey that he was dying that he was he was yearning to uh, to complete and that he wasn't able to and i think what can be comforting is that there will be those there will always be those our children and perhaps students who will be able to continue the journeys for us that we simply aren't able to finish As a last note, I also want us to, to notice that the last few psukim in the Torah emphasize Moshe as the one who does God's ultimate bidding in this world. I'll just read the last three, three psukim of the Torah. This is Moshe's epitaph. This is what is written on his tombstone. The Torah doesn't end only with praising God. It will in a moment. But the Torah ends with the highest accolade that you can ever give a human. In the last two psukim, Now, the psukim are emphasized God's A mighty hand and the miracles that God performed for us on our exodus from Egypt. But the emphasis isn't actually on God. The emphasis is on Moshe's ability to execute that in this world. And I think that this too is a beautiful ending to the Torah, because while the Torah is so much about God's role in this world and about God's role in history and God's role as our leader, Ultimately, the message of those last three psukim, I think, that one can take is that the Torah is meant to be in the hands of humans. Uh, it is meant to be given to humans. It is our, our mission in the world is to reflect and to execute godliness in the world, right? For Moshe, it was actually carrying out God's will. Uh, for the regular, for the regular man, our mission is slightly less, uh, slightly less grandiose. But ultimately, our goal in this world is to carry out or to reflect godliness in everything that we do. And so to summarize what I've shared with you in these last few minutes, I think that the Torah is giving us when it really elaborates. I mean, Moshe's death is a long process. It's a long process. It's longer than anyone else. The Akov's is also fairly long. Um, But Moshe really, he really takes the cake here. Uh, And with good reason, Moshe is our iconic leader. But I think that in each of the stages of Moshe's death, we take with us, we have the potential, if we will take with us, a number of incredibly meaningful tips about how to do death better about how to leave this world in a way that will enable us to have closure and will enable those around us those who love us and who will miss us to also have closure as well i want to uh, end this parsha series with uh, a few reminders First of all, I want to remind everyone about the LL program coming up, uh, beginning on August 29th through September 2nd, or Shoshonazra early this year. Uh, and also to remind you that the academic year begins on Sunday, October 10th, after after Sukkot. You can register for all of your classes online or via the office. And I also just want to end off and remind you that we will be coming back with more one-on-one series. I will Bezrat Hashem, be back with a number of really meaningful and exciting series for this year. Um, that will be focusing on on a variety of issues, uh, theological issues. We'll be having a series with Tanya White, Bezrat Hashem, uh, and also discussing Um, religious, spiritual education um, for our children. So we're going to be having uh, a number of series on a wide array of topics, and I encourage you to tune in. Uh, It'll be a pleasure to meet you there, and I'm wishing all of you a Shabbat Shalom. Thanks for listening. You can stream and download all Matan podcast episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and Matan's website. Feel free to share feedback with us as you listen you can write us at podcast at matan.org.il. That's podcast at matan.org.il. Lastly, please do Matan Podcast and Women's Torah Learning a small favor by sharing this podcast with family and friends so that we can reach new audiences. Shabbat shalom.